Welcome to episode 2 of What The Fuck Happened in PlayStation, where I, Rhys Elliott, give a quick and dirty rundown of the past week in PlayStation news. First things first, none of my views reflect my employer, but with that out of the way, let's get straight into it. The biggest thing of the past week, of course, was the state of play. As usual, Sony was pretty transparent beforehand, they announced that the showcase would focus on Deathloop, as well as some third-party and indie titles, which was true and helped keep our expectations in check. It's always good to have this kind of transparency in marketing, especially in gaming, where us fans are known to go a little bit crazy sometimes, so well done there, Sony. So I'll just give a quick rundown of some of the notable games shown. I'm not going to be covering everything, because there was a little bit of shite in there. The biggest game of the show was, of course, Deathloop, which is a timed PlayStation exclusive made by Arcane, which is owned by Bethesda, which is owned by Zenimax, which is owned by Microsoft. Weird situation, uh, but the game's launching as a one-year timed PS5 exclusive on September 14th, 2021. Anyway, the game looks super cool, almost like a mashup between Hitman and Dishonored, complete with frenetic combat, immersive sim-like gameplay, and a rendition of Dishonored's fantastic blink mechanic, where you just kind of blink around the map, shooting people from different angles looks fantastic. Uh, as you can tell, I was already pretty pumped for this one, and this particular gameplay didn't do much more to sell me further, but I'm still hopeful. However, the humour and tone did seem a little bit hit or miss for me, like I was getting Borderlands vibes at points, which is a bit of a red flag for me because I'm not really into that humour style, but I'm still excited. There was also Kena Bridge of Spirits, which also continues to look amazing, kind of like Horizon Zero Dawn if it were made by Pixar, and that one's out next month on August 24th. We also had Lost Judgment, the sequel to Judgment, which is itself sort of a spiritual successor, bit of sibilance there, not great for my lisp, uh, to the Yakuza series made by the devs themselves. And the last game in the Yakuza series, Like a Dragon, adopted a turn-based JRPG system, which will continue in subsequent uh, Yakuza games as well. But Lost Judgment, like Judgment before it, will take uh, the brawler mantle from older Yakuza titles, and uh, Lost Judgment is coming out on September 24th, just one week after Deathloop. So busy times are coming. Then we have uh, some more news about Death Stranding's director's cut, which will add more combat mechanics and a racing minigame apparently, among other things. But yeah, this isn't actually a director's cut, so to speak, as relayed by Okajima himself on Twitter, who isn't too happy with the director's cut label, as the release kind of basically just features extra content that was made after the fact. So this suggests to me uh, that the director's cut branding is more of a PlayStation thing. It's more of like from their marketing team. After all, Ghost of Tsushima has one of these come in as well. And honestly, it's a bit of a weird marketing choice uh, by Sony here, especially for a Kojima game made by Kojima Studios. Like Kojima is known as like an auteur who makes games his way anyway. Uh, but whatever, uh, Death Stranding's director's cut is dropping on September 24th, just like Lost Judgment actually, which is kind of interesting as they're, bo you know, they're both launching on the same date, and I imagine the Venn diagram comparing Lost Judgment fans and Death Stranding fans is a big fat circle. Some smaller titles that look pretty cool and promising include the pacifist exploration game Jet, action kung fu game Sifu, in which a character gets more powerful and older every time you die, could be a cool mechanic. And there was also a surprise announcement, and that's PlayStation 4 VR game, Moss 2, which I'm pretty pumped about as the first one was very pleasant. 
But that about does it for PlayStation's latest state of play. It pretty much hit expectations for me, as Sony quite rightly set the bar beforehand. But they also mentioned that there's more to come this summer, so we'll be covering that as and when it happens. The next story is that Ubisoft is planning on turning Assassin's Creed into a live service platform in the coming years, one that will sprawl across multiple time periods, telling smaller stories within them. A recent Jason Schreier article shined the spotlight on these plans, while also bringing up the fact that a lot of Ubi higher-ups accused of misconduct are still at the company. This is well worth highlighting because a lot of people seem to have forgotten all about it, so well done there Jason. But back to the core of the story here, uh, this new style of Assassin's Creed, codenamed Infinity, is inspired by games like Fortnite and GTA Online, or more specifically, the fucking billions of dollars that those games generate. But me, myself, I'm getting a little bit burned out by the current size, scope, and format of Assassin's Creed games. I'm talking here about the increasingly massive, sprawling RPGs of Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla. They're just a little bit overwhelming to me, like quantity isn't quality. So I'm cautiously optimistic about this new spin on the series, with like hopefully a few smaller like 12-hour experiences, rather than these huge 100-hour things that are just too much for me. And of course, different locales is something we're already seeing with Valhalla's DLC, and there's a lot of live service elements in the Assassin's Creed games already. But, and there's always a but in the AAA games industry, as we know, uh, Ubisoft's live serviceification, oh, there's a funny one, of uh, Ghost Recon actually went quite badly, so we're going to have to wait and see what happens with this one. Uh, from a business perspective, though, this is the way the whole third-party industry is going, and it doesn't really come as a surprise for Ubisoft in particular, as just a few months ago, their financial lead, Frederic Duguet, yes, my French is absolutely atrocious, as he said that releasing three to four big budget games a year is no longer, quote, a proper indication of our value creation dynamics. So in other words, they can make a lot more money with a live service model, if they don't fuck it up, that is. Uh, another interesting part of Infinity is that it's going to be a joint effort between Ubisoft Montreal uh, Quebec and a bunch of other UB studios. So there's no lead studio this time like they've done in the past, like passing the baton back and forth. So UB here seems to be going more for the Activision Blizzard and Rockstar Games model here, getting everybody on board, working on it together, cross-country collaborative thing. So yeah, a little bit more on that later in the quickfire news section. Bit of foreshadowing. Before we get into the quickfire news section though, there was an update to last week's Housemark acquisition news. Uh, the company's CEO, Ilari Kutinen, and marketing manager, Mikhail Havery, yes, my Finnish is just as bad as my French, they had an interview with a local Finnish publication, which I won't even try to pronounce, and there was a very interesting tidbit in that interview, and that's that PlayStation wasn't the only one interested in buying Housemark. Uh, when the interviewer quite candidly asked who else was interested, their CEO said, quote, the usual suspects, i.e. major players in the field from China, Sweden, and the United States, end quote. So the Chinese company he's talking about here is likely Tencent, who just buys whatever they come across or makes gets a stake in them. Uh, the Swedish one is likely Embracer or maybe MTG, but MTG is more mobile focused, so I'm more gravitating towards Embracer here. Uh, but the American one he alludes to here is definitely more interesting to me as the American usual suspect for acquisitions is Microsoft. 
and I could easily have seen Xbox coming in and sweeping the rug from under Sony here. Like we've already seen Microsoft give them the middle finger by including MLB The Show, formerly a PlayStation exclusive, on Game Pass. So this could have been another one of those middle fingers there. But ultimately, Housemark went with Sony, which I think is a great choice given their long and strong relationship together. It seems to me that Sony money has actually saved Housemark from the brink of disaster in the past, so it's nice to see them dancing with the person who brought them to prom. Alright, let's get into the quickfire news. EA has rebranded former Battlefield support studio DICE LA into Ripple Effect Studios, and the studio is developing its own project from scratch too. And this is mostly the doing of Vince Zampella, who has risen in the ranks of EA and is the dude who spearheaded Titanfall, Apex Legends, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And before that, he was the guy kind of, you know, turning the wheels at uh, Activision for the Modern Warfare games. So simply put, he knows his stuff. But this is all very interesting because it's nice to see EA diversifying its portfolio a little bit here, which is a slightly different path to the Activision and soon-to-be Ubisoft approach of getting a bunch of different teams all together to work on the same thing. So next item, uh, Konami is moving its gaming focus away from mobile and free-to-play and back to AAA experiences. If anyone cares, they don't, okay. Fair enough. Season 2 of Netflix's The Witcher is coming in December. What do you mean that has nothing to do with PlayStation? The Witcher 3 is a game on PlayStation consoles, so piss off. Anyway, moving on. Sony has had to remove an ad in which the very curvaceous PS5 console was placed upside down. I mean, the disk drive would make more sense on top from a UX perspective. But, you know, anyway, moving on again. Finally and weirdly, the PS Vita was trending on Twitter in the past week. But why? Well, because Nintendo announced its OLED Switch, and the Vita was an indie game machine with a banging OLED screen long before the Switch model. And it, like the Vita, it truly was ahead of its time. Like, despite it not living up to Sony's expectations commercially, it was absolutely fantastic to see everyone giving it the love on Twitter this past week. And I still have my launch model around here somewhere and I do a replay of Persona 4 Golden, so I think I'm gonna do that. But I think that just about ends the pod. If you do want to hear more on that OLED Switch and maybe a little bit more Assassin's Creed Infinity talk as well, you can check out the most recent episode of the International Gamer Podcast where I talk about this stuff with uh, some guys who are far smarter than I. <laughs> but anyway, thank you very much for joining, and I hope I helped you know what the fuck is happening in PlayStation. Alright, cheers, and catch you next time.